do real estate on the side too. I'm trying to tell you, like when I got rid of all my debt, all that stuff, I was able to buy a rental property. And it was like, wow, I didn't, why, why, why have not been doing this? And my motorcycle wasn't bringing me no income in. But yet this rental property that I paid the same amount of money for is bringing me money in every month. And it's paying off itself, which is going to ultimately leave something to my kids. You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years' experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Welcome back to the interrogation room. My name is Dale. I'm the host of the Black and Blue Podcast. I appreciate you for joining me here today. I got another guest on here on the uh, on the podcast from the East Coast. I love talking to my brothers and sisters in blue uh, from the East Coast. He's in Fairfax County, Virginia. Everybody, please help me welcome in seven-year veteran Taj Buford. How you doing, sir? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. So what's good out there? How you guys, you staying safe with the with the COVID-19 out there? I'm doing my best, man. Yeah. Staying in the house, staying in the house as much as possible. <laughs> right, right, right. And uh, so I mentioned that you were a seven-year veteran of Fairfax County. Where is that uh, located for our viewers that don't know, like particularly me out here on the West Coast? Okay, it's about 18 miles out of D.C. Okay. So it's more of the suburban area side. And of course, we have a little town called Tyson's Corner that's blowing up um, with all these major corporations coming there. So, you know, D.C. is so saturated with people that the businesses are starting to spill out into Northern Virginia also. Right, right, right. And like how how large is that area as far as population? Uh, we got 1.2 million residents. Oh, yeah, that ain't, that ain't and, small. <laughs> <laughs> and we got four, well, 400, square, 400 square miles. Okay. So it's pretty big. It's pretty big. Nice, nice. And what's the what's like the demographics of, of the area that you work in? Very diverse, man. The whole the whole county is diverse. People from all over. They come here for jobs, like DC. Like a lot of people in the area are transplants. They come from other places looking for jobs in the government. Because DC got all the government jobs. So they just come over here. And they would rather some people don't want to live in the city, so they'd rather live in Fairfax or Virginia side. Right, right. And you originally from that area too, or? I'm from Newark, New Jersey. From so Jersey, from huh? What, what brought Jersey. you? What brought you down there then? Um. Well, I went to school in Northern Virginia. I mean, I went to Virginia State down in Richmond area. Okay. And my best friend got a job with the government, so I drove about what I think it's like an hour, hour and a half up here to visit him. I partied in D.C. one time, and I said, "You know what?" <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna make that move. Yeah, that was it. That was it. That was Chocolate <laughs> City right there. Huh? I was so mad. I was like, oh man, I love this. All right. So, and then, uh, came up here. yeah, then, then what, what brought you into law enforcement? Oh, so it's something I always want to do. Like, I tell everybody, it's basically I'm a product of my environment. You know, living in the inner city, 
you had, you know, people doing bad, people doing illegal stuff. And then you had officers and firefighters and like correction officers. And they were doing pretty well for themselves. So I had an uncle and an aunt who was a correction officer at Northern State Prison. And for me, they gave back to the community. They coached AAU basketball. And they were officers. And it was something like, that's what I want to do. But I feel like if I had people around me that were doing other things, it's a possibility I could have done something else. But that was like all I knew. And I knew I didn't want to be on the other side. So I chose the profession that I was familiar with. And my uncle was also in the military. And it was, I, it was either military or policing. It was just, and I took the test. I don't know if you know, in Jersey, I don't know how it is over there. We take a statewide test, like a okay. countywide test. And you take the test. And if you pass, different agencies or municipalities will reach out to you and call you like, hey, we got a position open. Are you, are you interested? And they just go down a list to see candidates that have passed the test and move forward with them. And I passed the test in high school, but I went to college and my grandmother never sent me the letter. She didn't, she didn't send me any information. <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't want to be an officer in Jersey. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, yeah. She wanted me to continue my education and then I come home to visit. I'm like, Grandma, why you didn't send me this? Like, <laughs> She's like, oh, I forgot. You didn't forget, Grandma. Yeah. Just, yeah. So once I graduated, right back, started applying again. Yeah. So she didn't want you to be, you know, in law enforcement. Well, she didn't want you to be in Jersey or just in law enforcement in general? She didn't probably was. No, she didn't want me to be in law enforcement, but definitely, definitely not in Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> why, why is that? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bad area, if I say. Like, New Jersey, the bricks is Brick City. Okay. So it's pretty it's pretty rough. And, you know, yeah. she didn't want me to be a part of that. What about the rest of the family and your friends? Uh... My friends, they really had no issue. Like, growing up, I always told them I wanted to do this. In Jersey, you got, like, we call regular police cherry tops. And then you got state troopers. So my vision, I wanted to be a state trooper because state troopers, was, they came, and when they come outside, everybody go inside. Because <laughs> they know state troopers don't play. In Jersey, state okay. troopers don't play. But right. cherry tops was, like, you know, on their phone, like, not really paying attention. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> but when state come, they coming for a reason. They not just come to play, they come to arrest somebody. So it was like, and then um, I'll give you a story. My little person, my mother was getting locked up. I'm laughing because I don't know why I'm laughing, but it's my mother and we don't have like, well, the story is she got locked up and um, she was on like the sidewalk, the curb, right? And the off, she, when I pulled up in my car, I was in high school at the time. I was going to, I played football, so I was going to a, a private school, a prep school. And so she pulled up, and I was like, hey, I just wanted to know, you know, what's wrong, what's going on with my mother? And my mother was like, that's my son. He plays St. Peter's Prep. Um, he wants to be an officer. She's, like, handcuffed on the curb <laughs> telling the officer this, right? And the officer was like, oh, you went to St. Peter's Prep? I went to St. Peter's Prep. And nice. so we started conversing. And he invited me to the police station to come, like, chill out. Why well, my mother's sitting on the side of the curb. <laughs> Why are you locking up your mama? Why are you locking up my mother? But my mother wasn't crying because, you know what I mean? She knew what she did. It's, it's weird. Like, she wasn't crying. She wasn't having, like, she wasn't acting up or anything. She knew what she did. So she was sitting there basically bragging on me to the officers. And that, I, I tell people that story, they'd be like, that's kind of that's kind of crazy. Like, yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> it was just like, where I'm from, man, it's just the way it was. And then my friends was like, bro, you're going to go? I'm like, yeah. But they had no issue because that's something I always wanted. It's like it never was a secret. 
Right, right. Never was a secret. Never. And moms was moms was looking out for her baby. So yeah, moms was looking out, man. You yeah. know she bragged on me like I don't know. She cursed me out in two point five seconds and still be bragging on me at the same time. Right, right. She has a gift. That's what they do. That's what they do. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. So what do you do out there for uh, for your department right now? Right now I'm in recruiting, so recruiting and and backgrounds. So I like to say I'm a recruiter, but I'm also a mentor. So when these young young officers come in, I try to you know try to give them as much knowledge and wisdom as I can, and I always tell them, please don't come in here and buy a big truck or a Mustang or a Corvette or SRT8. Just just take your time a little bit, and a lot of them come in, and you know once you get the first check, it's the salary. You think you're rich. Yep. And then the overtime start kicking in. You think you're even richer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you start, and then it take you a couple years to realize, like, okay, I need to slow down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, how long you been recruiting? Um, about seven, eight months. So I did a temp up here first, and then I liked it, and then I stayed. So yeah. I didn't know if I was gonna like it. My wife liked it even more because she liked the schedule. <laughs> she liked it. <laughs> she, didn't, yeah, yeah, she didn't like my patrol, my patrol schedule. So and all the overtime I was working. So I placed myself in a position like, you know, stop working. And I had two kids like kind of back to back. I got a daughter that's um one, two. <laughs> I got uh, a son that's six months. Six okay. Months. Yeah, yeah. So I had them back to back. And you guys are hiring right now? I mean, I know a lot of departments are kind of slowing down because of COVID and all that, but. It slowed us down a little bit. You know, you got your physical abilities test, so you can't have like 30 people show up or run a test. So you have to stagger them. Um, so we made different. We made modifications to a lot of the process, but we're still going through hiring. Definitely. Nice, nice. And then uh, as a recruiter, do you get to, you know, go all around the state, all around the area trying to recruit or? Yeah, we go to like, you know, different parts of Virginia, Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, um, North Carolina. Not too far. At one point they were going far. And I guess, you know, the powers, the commanders were like, listen, y'all haven't you know, just pulled it back a little bit. Right. We're going to Atlanta to recruit officers, and Atlanta is doing pretty well. But, uh, you know, or we're going to Charlotte, and you want to live in Charlotte, because it's very expensive in Northern Virginia. I don't know if you know. Nah. Very, exp- very expensive in D.C. So people think you live in Virginia is cheap, especially coming from up north. They'd be like, oh, it's, the cost of living is a lot cheaper. Not in Northern Virginia. Maybe, like, down south, southern Jersey. I mean, southern Virginia it is, but not in Northern Virginia. Yeah, you probably wasn't having that much success uh, going to all these other places, though. I mean, you know, you got to be in the, in the immediate area, you're probably pulling people. But when you're going all the way up to all these other places, they probably like, you know, why I want to go all the way down there when I could you know, do the same thing here, right? Yeah, certain certain areas, though, is they, their recruiting is a lot different. Like some areas you got to pay for the academy. So like Pittsburgh and that Pennsylvania area, they got to pay for the academy and then apply for a job. Oh, really? Like we we pay to go to the academy, you know. Yeah. I don't know how how you guys do it over there. Yeah, we we mostly most departments will will pay for you to go to the academy. <laughs> yeah. But then some places, um, they they also have academies or well, the same academy where you can pay your own way. So you like you got like two sets of uh, recruits going through it at the same time. So like mm-hmm. if you go to a, a department and say, hey, I already got my academy certificate, you know, they could say like, you know, hey, we don't have to wait six seven months for him to, you know. To get out, he's already he's ready to go now. So you know, some people yeah. take it that way as a, as an advantage 
to just go through. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of tough, you know, because you got to save up your own money. It's not cheap. You got to pay the for the uniforms, for the gun, for the ammo, for the books, all that. So I don't know how I people just, do it. I could just imagine you paying for yourself to go to the academy and then certain agencies will take you based off your background. Like, how, how does that work? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know some people that done that. I know some people that done that and then they still didn't get hired. But, you know, I guess you got to. You gotta, you know, kind of take the gamble on that, and and hopefully somebody will pick you up. Nah, I don't I'm know. That, yeah, that gamble's that, that's that's a real gamble right there because the academy could be a little rough. Yeah, it could be rough and expensive, like I said. So yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So you mentioned you got a family, and uh, you know the wife likes your schedule now. You know, mm-hmm. um, how how was she during the the patrol times? You know, did you work a lot of night shifts? No, I try to. You know, the most important the most important thing to me is time. So time with my family is very important to me. So if I could modify my schedule to spend more time with my family, I would. So I work day work for, when I worked in the jail, I worked all in the midnights, but I was single. So when you're single, you can do stuff like that. You know, yep. you party all night and work all night. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, daytime, you're, you're, you're bat. You're like Batman. Come out at night. So that was perfect for me when I was single. Yeah. And when I got a family, it was like a little bit different. So she needed my help. And that's so, it's like, especially having kids back to back, it was a little rough for her. Um, so I always kind of modify my schedule and cater to my family. That's the number one priority for me. So that was, it was really never an issue unless I work overtime. And at the time I was working a boatload of overtime because like I tried to tell my man, I was kind of living outside my means. I had to get rid of all the, the toys I had that uh-huh. I really wasn't using because I had to work so much to just to pay for them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like this ain't working for me. Yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of cats that did that. They they buy a trailer, you know, out here they get the the jet skis and the trailer, and they get the uh, the what else? They get the the, the quads and they, they motorcycles. Yeah, motorcycle, anything new come out, yeah. it's just like you just gotta have it. It's like you don't really need it. <laughs> no, you don't. you don't. And then they in boats <laughs> and they end up selling it. You know, selling it. Yeah. Now, especially with boats, they say that the the two best times of owning a boat is when you when you buy it and when you sell it. I keep hearing that. I just got the phone with one of my friends and he's talking about buying a boat. And I was like, how often do you ride your motorcycle? He was like, probably like, you know, once a month. I said, if you're going gonna to ride your boat even less than that. <laughs> right. So yeah. what's the purpose of having a boat? Yeah, because then you guys got some cold months out there too. So, you know, there's those times you're not using the boat. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. What other things you done over there with your, with your department? You said uh, patrol. You're in recruiting now. You done anything else? Yeah, I worked some plain clothes assignments, but nothing like I told you. At, when I my career, I worked a lot of overtime. It was it was money, 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 and I I tell I tell everybody, it could become an addiction. It yeah. can really become an addiction, like working a lot of overtime, and it's like when I tell recruits, it's kind of like you're really hustling, like right, just figuring out your schedule to work your regular job and then overtime. Like for me, my regular schedule was it didn't even matter. Like that income didn't matter. It was all over overtime. Wow. And I was making like, like, you know, doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Was, and that's like, it's like self-employed. I don't know about your agency. We have like secondary employment. So like if anybody hire us, they pay us cash. Okay. So it's a little different. And once that cash started coming in, it was like, oh, okay. Uh, so it was like, uh, you know, like movie set. Well, like what kind of, what, so what does that mean? For example, we'll work at like, um, we work at like a church and then pay us like seventy five an hour. Oh, okay, I got you. And you work you work three hours, you know what I mean, three twenty five. 
Yeah. And you just like sit in your car directing traffic or something. Wow. Work at Neiman, Neiman Marcus Garden Chanel bags. <laughs> You'd be yeah. like, and they paying you $60 an hour just to like stand there and watch Chanel bags. They don't care about nothing else in the store. That's how, that's how I really found out how significant Chanel bags were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> just to watch yeah. a certain brand of bags. Like you can take all the Louis Vuitton you want, but don't touch Chanel. Is that right? Okay. Don't yeah. touch Chanel. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, and you guys so. do that, you know, as affiliated with your department. You guys wearing uniform. We wear a uniform and like, oh, like that's so crazy. You can just work it. You can work your shift and then get off and then work that. So you can work eleven point five hours. That's what our shift was eleven point five hours. Get off and then work five hours doing that and then go home. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess you know we have you know special events where like mm-hmm. uh, you know they come in with the city. And it's, it, but it had to be something like a parade or a football game or yeah, something like that. Too. Yeah, yeah, but it wouldn't be too. anything like at a store or a church or nothing like that unless, you know, the city's involved with it somehow. Yeah, and this is what, like, that assignment at the mall is from every day. Like, every day. Nice. So people just signed yeah. up for it. But you you yeah. kind of backed off of that now, huh? You're not doing so much of that I don't anymore. Work, I don't work. I don't work none of it, man. It's it's. I told. You, I got rid of some stuff, and then once you get rid of it, it's like a weight lifted off your shoulders. You're like, wow, I didn't really need it, and now yeah. I'm good to go. And have to go to overtime. Right. Well, cool, so, man. Yeah, spend that yeah. spend that time with your family. That quality time. Now that's the most important thing, man. On boats, you can't take it with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Can't take it with you. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that uh, you kind of mentor these young dudes that are coming in, uh, men and women coming in, mm-hmm. t- kind of mentoring them. Have you had that sort of uh, same mentorship with somebody that kind of took you under their wing when you came up? Of course. When I started, when I started, I had, I tell everybody in the academy, I had an instructor. He was from New York and he actually, he's a, 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 he's a Q and his Dean was from my area where I'm from. So you know how to yell at you. I don't know how you kind of, I kind of was kind of like, you know, yelling at you. Your first day, you're nervous. You got oh, your, yeah. <laughs> got oh, yeah. your equipment yeah. and stuff. And he's like, where you from? I'm like, I'm from Newark, New Jersey. He said, you going to tell me you ain't never stole a car? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> what is this guy talking about, right? And then the next day, I will never forget it. The next day, he said, oh, your name beautiful, huh? Okay. Your mother named Cynthia? Your aunt named Audrey and your aunt named Stephanie. And I was like, whoa, Ooh. how does he know all this? <laughs> right. And later down the road, he told me that basically his dean lived in my, they went, they went all went to school together. So he went and got my, like, basically my history and came and told me, but he, he gave me some valuable lessons about, um, and I tell, I tell these kids I mentor about social media. Um, you know, you have coworkers and you have friends. Just make sure you know the difference. Don't allow everybody to follow you on social media. And I really live, I live by that because some, like everybody doesn't understand something that you might do in your culture. Um, It could be looked at and frowned upon. They'd be like, yo, why are you doing this? But you don't want people to feel too comfortable because you might be exposing too much of yourself on your social media to your coworkers. And it just might, you know what I mean? It might be a conflict. And I've seen incidents where, you know, people might call out sick and then a coworker be like, call out sick. I just saw him. <laughs> on a river, <laughs> and you'd right? be like, yeah. "Why would you say so?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, like, yeah. and yeah, you don't, you just can't mix it, man. I, I learned that, and he helped me get a house too. So that was one, and I got another one now. And in, in my department now, he looks out, so he looks out for me. So it's real big. 
Nice, nice. They're they're needed and appreciated in our profession. Yeah, and, 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 and you passing that along, you're doing the same thing. I'm trying my best, man. I'm trying my best, man. I'm trying to tell these young cats, stop blowing your money. Because um, I, I do real estate on the side, too. I'm trying to tell you, like, when I got rid of all my debt, all that stuff, I was able to buy a rental property. And it was like, wow, I didn't, why, why, why have not been doing this? And my motorcycle wasn't bringing me no income in. But yet, this rental property that I paid the same amount of money for right. is bringing me money in every month. And it's paying off itself, which is going to ultimately leave something to my kids. Exactly. So when I try to explain that to them earlier so they can get a head start, like I, I had a crazy wedding, had all my toys, I was blown, traveling, boards all over the place. And then when I really sat back and had these kids and ran my numbers, like, you know, I'm, something, something ain't right. Because the kids changed my whole perspective on life. They, they'll so do I, that. Yeah. So I'm trying to tell them while you're young, Put fifteen percent away. You you're not using it right. Don't blow it. Just put it away. Yeah. You can put as much put as much as you possibly can if it's just you. Why why? Yeah. So yeah, that, that's I good advice. I try to drop those jewels for them. Yeah, I try to man. But some of them listen. Some of them listen later. But as long as they listen, some at some point in their life, right. I think I did my job. Right. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. So uh, you know, uh, nowadays, right now. We got a lot of crazy, you know, things going on in our world with the BLM and all that. And you are African-American officer. How has that affected you, you know, being an African-American officer and what you've seen in the world right now on social media, on the news and all that? How's it affected you? You got people coming up to you and and, and shout you down or they giving you props or what's going on out there? Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in the office now, so I'm really not on the street as much as I used to. But they didn't pull you got, out like during the, the protest or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, we have, we have CDU and it's more like a voluntary position. I never volunteer, volunteer, volunteer for CDU because to me, CDU, they were always used for minorities. Like I never seen CDU used for anything. What is else. that? What is CDU? What is that? It's a crisis disturbance unit. Okay. So, they come out, you know, when you have a protest to make sure everything is, you know, good to go. Nobody gets hurt or anything. And I just never signed up for it. I just never was like, you know, you watch the movies as a kid. You're like, man, they hitting people with batons and stuff. I just never felt, if I didn't have to do it, I didn't do it. Even though my coworkers like, yeah, it's a lot of overtime. I was like, no, I'd rather not do it. <laughs> I'd right. rather just, you know, maintain my normal patrol schedule. If they need me on patrol, but if you need me, I'll be there. But if I have an option, no, yeah, not. So it really infect, it impacted me as far as like my friends and family, you know, right? Because you know, I, I I spoke at churches. I try to do things outside of work, and then something like this happened. It's like everything you just did went down the drain because no matter what you did, they just seen that video that everybody else saw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So no matter how many churches you speak to, and you tell them like, "Hey, you know, we're trying, we're trying," then they see the videos like, "Oh, you're really not trying," even though Minnesota is so many miles away from you. But and I think that's around the world, man. That that set us back for a lot of people that's trying to make an impact on their communities. It set them back tremendously. Yeah, I mean that's that's what's tough because you know they saw that just like you said, and they they lump us all in that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, but on the on the flip side of that. You know, they, they, you know, the, the community doesn't want us to lump everybody 
all in the one same basket either. So, you know, <laughs> you got to take that, take your own advice for that, you know. But I think it's a good, I think the incident is going to change policing forever. It is. That incident, because there's no like, you know, there's no gray area. You got certain shooters, you'd be like, ah, you know, every officer would might react to that a little different. This one right here was just no due regard for life. Right. You know, and I and I've spoken to several people and spoken to churches and spoken to my even commanders. And I told them it was no due regard for life. And do I think race played a factor? And I stand by it. I do. Um, and like I said, it's gonna change and I think officers are gonna change too because they've seen it also. It's like it's, everybody's seen it. It's like, you know, you know how officers think they think like officers, okay, what was the initial call? Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did they say he had a gun? Did they say this? Did it? No. It doesn't matter. You no, can't handcuff. You, no, not you in case. Yeah. You cannot justify it. You can't even. You can't do nothing. It was just. It was just messed up. Yeah, that was that was bad all the way around. All the way around. Yeah. All the way around. So, yeah. All right. What uh, about your department? Is it is it pretty diverse? It's pretty diverse. It's pretty diverse. Um, very diverse. And that's that's the that's the good thing. Like on my squad, I think we had we had a good a good split between like Asians, African Americans, Caucasians, females, and I love that about my squad because certain calls, you know, somebody else might do a better job at. Like everybody, every officer can take care of a call, but you know, certain domestics, you're like listen, I think you know maybe you might. What do you think about oh, assist me? Just assist me, just yeah. in case. You right. Know what I mean? Right. So I think having that option is great. That's why the diversity is so beneficial to policing. Definitely, definitely, no doubt on that. What about uh, promotional opportunities? And what about your, you know, your command staff? You see a lot of mi- minorities in your command staff. Uh, you see, you see some. Um, you see some. My department is pretty diverse. Yeah, you see, you see. But everybody doesn't want to be a commander. You know, some people get stuck in their specialties, like SWAT. Yeah, and they don't want to leave that, huh? Or robbery or things like that. So, but you do see diversity in command staff. Not as much as I would like, but we're getting there. Yeah. (laughs) We're getting there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Are you guys doing any special minority recruiting as as a recruiter? So, yes. So, when I first came up here, I call it like a HBCU world tour because I went to HBCU. So I went to Virginia State. I went to all the local, like Hampton, um, Norfolk State. I went to all of them. Nice. And, you know, know, when you do stuff like that, some coworkers might say, hey, they only put you up there to do that, which is fine. If I can be the gateway to get people here, I'm, I'm all for that. You know what I mean? So that was awesome. I really took, they really, they back me. Like I, I, I constantly say my department backs me on certain ideas I have and certain things I want to do. Like some people say the agency, like they can go send an email to the chain and never gets up. My emails get up to the chain of command and they actually listen to me. Like, okay, you know what? I can see that. That's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I love about my agency. Nice. They, they, they listen to you. At least, at least, uh, take you, your input into consideration. Yes. Yes. And maybe because I keep knocking at the door. But sometimes you got to do that. I learned that. Like, if you mm-hmm. just, I learned that in patrol. You know, if you got somebody broke in your car and you investigate it, but the victim never, like, the victim doesn't care, you know, you got a thousand other calls. 
victim keeps calling, you're going to open that. You're going to keep investigating that case because he keeps calling you. So I tell all my friends, like, you got something, you got to keep calling. If, if not, people, people have lives also. I right. mean, the people are just not going around just your life. They have a life of their own. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, after recruiting, what, what do you see yourself? What, what else do you want to do over there? I don't know, man. Like, I, I keep, sometimes I want to get promoted. So, and then sometimes I'll be like, no. So I focus on my real estate. So my goal is to retire and I'll pick up a gun again. I want to okay. retire, check on my properties and do things like that. Different investment things I got going on. That's my ultimate goal and spend time with my family. But um, if I don't do anything, it'll probably be promotions. If I do anything, it'll probably be promotions. But if not, I would stay here and, um, you know, go to work for my benefits and, you know, try to get, try to mentor young officers to come in here and do the right thing. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So what's uh what's one of the most rewarding parts uh being a police officer over there at uh, Fairfax County? The most rewarding part I would think is like being a voice for your people. It's being a voice for your people. Like some of them calls that, you know, you got a little bit of discretion with, you know, you don't have to go to the extreme and get four larcenies on one little case or like, you know what I mean? Like you, you did wrong. I have discretion to charge you with just that case. But I don't have to go above me on charging you with robbery when it's like on the borderline. Like this could be either or. Okay. You know, maybe I'll go with it. I like the fact that having discretion and one thing that really, really like makes my day is um, say for instance, you're on patrol and you see like an older black male. And he says something like, so I tell people, like, if you see a black, like, you see him just be like, and they be like, sticking to your brother or like, I'm proud of you. It does so much to your soul. Like, the profession that you chose is really, and, and you might not have done anything for him at all, but the fact that he can see and say that, it's a good feeling. It's a real good feeling. That's dope. That's dope. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And what about on the, on the flip side? What are, what are the most challenging parts of your job? Challenging parts is the media. Is the media how they portray us, and they lump us all into one, no matter what. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So as soon as you put that uniform on, you just you know what I mean. It's the media, and and your family and friends. You know, everybody has an opinion on your job, but you have no opinion on them if they're a chef, they're a doctor, if they're a nurse. Like your 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 profession is nobody really talks about it. Mm-hmm. You know, if they do, you're a hero. Right for us, you know, it's, it's it's not fair. It's just it's just you know it's tough. You know, especially when you have all the good attention to do the right thing. Yeah, exactly. so that might be the toughest thing. And I tell I tell the uh, recruits like, this is not just a job; it's a lifestyle. This is the only job you can do anything, and it's a possibility you might make morning news. Yep. We're not celebrities. Yep. <laughs> We're not yep. rock stars. We're just police yeah. officers. Yeah, yeah. But anything we do. Makes the news. No doubt. No doubt. I, I even tell people, you know, sometimes you can't even eat in peace. You can't. You know, you can't go to a, you got to, first of all, pick the right place to eat. You got to, you know, make sure, you know, your back is to the wall and that you can see the door. And then mm-hmm. no other profession where you're eating, do people come up and ask you questions, you know, why are you trying to eat? 
You know, they don't go up to a doctor and say, hey, doc, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry you're eating, but, you know, I got this this pain in my elbow. Or, hey, Mr. Postman, I know you're eating, but, uh, you know, where where's the nearest post office so I could drop it? You know, they don't do that. But they do that to police officers all the time. And it's cool, you know. Um, only celebrities really do that, only get that. Um, but, you know, it's cool. But sometimes you just want to eat. So I just take my stuff and, and go back to the station and eat sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And I had a lunch break and I had a call in the mall and it's like, y'all about to grab these sneakers and joints. Right? Just no. go there, call, I'm just gonna pick, got your ticket, come pick up the sneakers, yeah, right? Yeah. Dude started re- recording me. Me and my coworker recording me. I'm like, bro, why are you recording me? He said, I've never seen a police officer buy sneakers. I said, <laughs> okay. He just like, <laughs> like, what do you get out yeah. of recording me by? Like just buying some sneakers. Run in the store, buy sneakers and out. But if, if you would have been buying some boots, though, you know, I guess that wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> just like, bro, they record you doing it. You directing traffic, you just people driving past recording. It's like, yeah, yeah. And that, yeah, that brings me to another question. What's what's the kind of a, a pet peeve of yours on the job? Uh, dodging calls. <laughs> what's that? And then you got them co coworkers that, co-workers that dodge calls. Okay. So they see a call, yeah. act like they don't see it, don't hit, you know, self, even though it's in their area. They'll put like pit stop going to the bathroom or something like don't dodge the call. That's your area. The call gonna be waiting for when you get out that bathroom. So that and um a pet peeve is I don't know if you guys do it when like we have a hot call. Officers get on the radio and keep saying like I'm in route. Three, oh yeah. tr- 3.30 Charlie in route. Oh, yeah. in route. We know everybody's in route. <laughs> stop talking on the stop radio. Talking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only no thing I can do is hit one button, whoop, I'm in route. Yeah. You don't have to keep saying it on the radio. That drives me absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah, because then you got, you know, the officer could be trying to get something out, dispatch could be trying to get something out, and then and everybody's like, I'm in route from, especially when they say from here, yeah. you know, just talking and talking. It's like, dude, shut up. Just get off. Yeah, yeah. Get off the radio. They need to get on the radio. Some people just love the radio. Yeah. Some officers love, and some officers are never hit any unique. That's me. I don't really use the radio on that side. When I get on the radio, my 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 team listens because yeah. they know if something going, something ain't right. Yeah. If Buford's if on the radio, stop, must be, yeah. yeah <laughs> something, if I voice the traffic stop, something fishy. Something yeah. just a little off about this traffic stop. Uh, I got you. And I that's how you. I feel like it should be like, it ain't normal. Uh, something might be wrong. I'm yeah. not going to mark and route. I'm just going to ease my way over yeah. there just to make sure everything goes smooth. Right. And right. that's, that's, that's one thing I miss not being on patrol. I miss that. That you know what I mean, like working with somebody so often, knowing when you go like this, that might mean you know, like knowing right. indicators that something just ain't right. Like we could have a whole conversation and nobody saying nothing to each other. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's from working with somebody. You guys work yeah. two man cars, or are you guys working one? Okay, yeah, like us. One man yeah. car, yeah, we work one man car. Yeah, but, no but we back each other all the time. You hear they on the T stop, you, you know, you start rolling mm-hmm. away just like you said, and yeah. Definitely. Good, you know, yeah. So I, I like that a lot. That's yeah. what I really, really miss. All right. Cool. Yeah. What about a, a, any call or investigation you've been on that kind of uh, sticks out in your mind? Something that you helped out with, you helped somebody, um, some, some, maybe something funny that you couldn't believe happened. Uh, can you tell us a story without, you know, mentioning any names, but that may have happened to you over, yeah. over the years? Yeah. Um, I had, you said, you said it was maybe funny. Either funny or it could be heartbreaking or something oh. that was rewarding that you helped a family out or, or a victim out or anything, anything that sticks out to you. 
so I, I remember one call where it was a traffic stop and it was a good traffic stop. And I guess the boyfriend pulled up to check on his, you know, his, his girlfriend. I, I believe her license was suspended. And he didn't know how to approach the officer. So he parked in front of the car that was pulled over. So he got out and, you know, people don't, people just don't know. They really don't know. So he gets out of the car. He's like, Hey, I just want to know what's going on. And the officer was like, you know, you got some officers that just, they just, just don't know how to talk to people. And he was just like, yo, just get in your car. Like just start yelling at him, you know? Right. So I get to scene and then my coworker is like, Hey, I think I smell weed on the, uh, on the guys. Like, Oh, did you pull them over? Like, no, but I think I smell weed. I go over there and see if you smell something. Like, Here we go. <laughs> Start so go over there. Right. Like, Sir, I don't smell nothing. <laughs> like, I don't smell nothing. He's like, well, just go over there and talk to him. I'm like, listen, this is not my case. I'm not holding this guy. I'm not detaining him. I don't have anything. He can leave at his own whenever he wants to. Just go over there and talk to him. So I'm over there talking to him. And I basically told him, like, listen, nobody's, I'm not detaining. Nobody's detaining you. If you want to leave, you can leave. But in his head, he thinks he's detained. Okay. Because he doesn't know. And so when I told him, he's looking at me like, really? I'm like, yeah, like, bro. Yeah, you can go. You're good to go. Yeah. He asked me again, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I wanted to say, bro, you don't get out of here. You just, right. you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> it, was not, it was nothing there. I call it fishing. When you're fishing for stuff, you know, you might get, like, it's nothing there. Stop fishing. If, it, if it's right in front of you, okay, go. But if it's, you're fishing, like, you're just trying to because of the way they might look or the way you might assume, mm-hmm. you're getting a trick bag. And you're not putting me in no a trick bag. Right. Because we don't have no PC to, to hold you, detain you, no reason for suspicion, nothing. you just here trying to figure out what's going on with your girlfriend. I completely understand. So I said that in front of my coworker, like, hey, I'm not detaining him. So, and you keep asking me to do stuff for him. I, I'm not backing you. For, I'm backing you for your traffic stop. Okay, yeah. Make sure nothing goes wrong. Nice. Yeah, so I told him that, and he really just left, man. And, I, and that really is like, that's why I say you're, you're police, but for the people also. Like, you got to understand, like, some things they just don't know. Yeah, that uh, that kind of goes back to, to what everyone's talking about nowadays, uh, you know, good officers and bad officers and, and good officers, uh, you know, uh, calling out the bad officers. And, and mm-hmm. that kind of sounds like what you did, you know, not to say that that partner was was a bad officer, but, you know, things that weren't kosher, you know, you weren't mm-hmm. with. And, you know, you corrected him and you correct and you let the other person know that, you know, there's no PC here. You know, you can leave if you want. You, you know, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's everything good is looked at. Every officer looks at a different situation different. And that's just yeah. the way it is because we're all human. I know the media wanted to act like we're robots. <laughs> we're not, yeah. We not. We yeah. all look at situations and individuals different. So, you know, it's good to have, like I, like we talked about earlier, have diversity on your squad, in your department, because we all analyze everything different. Yep. That's good. Good stuff, man. Well, you know, man, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, you know, Spouting some knowledge for us of what's going on out there in Fairfax County, Virginia. I'm gonna have to get out there one of these days and check it out. Uh, before, before I let you go, though, you, you you're not leaving yet without uh, 
without a little trivia here. So uh, I got this game I like to play. So let me set these things up here for you real quick. All right, this game I like to call is called... uh, Listen to my heart go bad. Boot up. So this game I like to call is called Boot Up. Boot Up. (laughs) Yeah. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some names of a couple and you just tell me are they a real couple or are they a fake couple so like i'll give you a uh example here if i were to say barack and michelle you would say true booze right true booze true booze however if i were to say homer and marge you say fake booze because they're not real you know they just they just for tv all right so true booze or fake booze all right easy enough Got that? All right, so here's your first one. I'm just going to give you first names because if I give you, you know, the last names, that'll be easy. Like if I were to say Barack and Michelle Obama, you you know, you would know that. So these are just going to be first names. All right, here's your first one. Dominic and Letty. Dominic and Letty. Dominic and Letty. Take a stab at it. True ball. True boobs. Oh, they're fake boobs because they are... Dominic Toretto and Letty Ortiz from the Fast and the Furious. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. So, fake. So, if it's from a movie, it's fake booze. Well, I mean, yeah, if it's from a movie or or just uh, people hanging out, they're not together in real life. Let's just okay, say that gotcha. people that all are right, not right. together in real life. All right. All right. So, your next one, you, sh- you should get this one. Will and Jada. Real booze. They, yep, they true booze. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. All, right. all right. So, you got that. Mm-hmm. Here's your next one. Sarah and Matthew. Sarah and Matthew McConaughey. I'm going to say True Boos. They are True Boos. Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Uh Roderick. (laughs) You you got it right. You you got that one right, though. Uh, Yeah, they are married. They've been married for a long time. All right. Here's your next one. Sandy and Danny. Sandy and Danny. Fake Boos. They are fake. See, no, that's right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh, uh, come you're on. Right. You're right. <laughs> Sandy Olsen and Danny Zuko from Greece. I don't know if you ever seen that movie. My wife loves this movie. So. Never seen that one. That's, that's before my time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I said it before <laughs> my time, too. All right. Reruns, reruns. All right. Here, here you go, next one. Quincy and Monica. Quincy and Monica. Yeah. Oh, that's. Um, that's love and basketball. That's uh, fake booze. They are fake booze. Yes, you got that one, Quincy McCall. And Come Monica on, Wright. yeah, you knew that one. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Here, here's your next one, Sarah and Derek. Sarah and Derek, fake booze. They are fake booze. Yeah, from Save the Last Dance, Sarah Johnson and Derek Reynolds. You ever see that movie? No, but I was thinking Derek from um. I think Antoine Fisher. I don't know that character. He played Derek in some one movie. Okay. Just can't remember. All right. Well, you were good on that one. How about uh, <laughs> Kevin and Kyra? Kyra. Kevin and Kyra. Fake booze. Uh, they they are true booze. Kevin Bacon and I'm sorry, Kira, not Kyra. Kira said. <laughs> would, would you have known that if I would have said Kira? No, I wouldn't have known that. Anyway, yeah, huh? You wouldn't have known that. You know what Kevin Bacon is, all right? Yeah, I know what Kevin Bacon uh, is. All right. Here's your next one, uh, <laughs> Boris and Nicole. Boris and Nicole. Oh, that's that's uh, Boris Kojo. That's um, 
real boos. Yeah, they true boos, definitely. True yeah. boos. Boys mm-hmm. Kojo and Nicole Ari Parker. Yep. Yep. A few more here for you. Johnny and Baby. Johnny and Baby. Johnny and Baby. Fake boos. They are fake boos. From Dirty Dancing, Johnny Castle and Baby Houseman. I don't know if you've seen that. Another movie my wife loves. You know, these girl no, flicks. I've seen this one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Two more for you. Grant and Tamia. Grant. Oh, that's um, True Boobs. They that's Grant Hill. Grant Hill. Grant and Tamia Hill. All right. Yeah. And your last one, John, John and Chrissy. John Legend. That's uh, real True Boobs. Yep. You got that right. John Legend and Chrissy Teigen. See, you, you got that. You got most of them right, so I'm going to call you All I do is win, 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 no winner. See, it wasn't as hard as you thought. You got most of them. All right, let's stop this. All right, cool. So we back, man. All right. <laughs> so you got through that. I appreciate that, bro. That was a breeze. Yeah, that was a breeze. Some of those, some of those <laughs> caught you up, but you you got through most of them, man. So yeah. yo, man, I appreciate you coming on the show and 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 sharing some love with me. Uh, I like that shirt too, Hood Hero. Yeah, yeah, I got it from um black heroes on instagram yeah yeah check that out yeah. check that out people if, if you want a shirt like that they they got some good stuff on there uh yeah. soon enough we're gonna have some some black and blue merchandise merch out there yeah, you so. got you got to send me one of yeah, those yeah we, we get you we'll get you so uh <laughs> all right but man uh be safe out there uh in recruiting and uh hopefully you can you can you know travel again you know get out there and see some when i was i was recruiting at another agency years ago i went to a grambling and uh yeah that was that was some fun stuff <laughs> I, yeah. like, I like that yeah i wanted to go back I, yeah yeah i'll yeah. tell you some stories anyway <laughs> <laughs> all right man i appreciate you again man you be safe all right you too man all right. stay blessed all right ladies and gentlemen that's it for this episode of the black and blue podcast i want to thank my guest today detective taj buford of the fairfax county virginia police department for joining me on this episode I appreciate you, man. Be safe out there in Virginia and D.C. area, and uh, hopefully I'll see you soon. If you guys out there enjoyed this episode as well, make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast on our YouTube channel or whatever podcast platform you hear my voice today. I'll be back next week with another fun-filled episode with another hard-hitting guest. So till then, y'all know what to do. Stay black in blue. I'll holler at you. Peace. This has been a Maitre D Entertainment presentation.